Welcome to the Doe Valley Ministry Podcast, where you can find faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Here's this week's message. Our scripture this morning is Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. This is the woe to the scribes and Pharisees. Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works, for they say and they do not do. For they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their philosophies broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places at feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But you do not be called Rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. So what has shaped your life? In our passage today, Jesus is again railing against the Pharisees. But in fairness to them, they had their reasons for doing what they did. Back in the days of the prophet Jeremiah, Israel had turned away from God. They forgot much about their origins in Egypt and had decided that they could live well enough on their own. After many warnings and calls to return to God's ways, God brought judgment upon his nation. They were exiled into Babylon. They spent 70 years in captivity before they began to return to a ruined land. And in response to that judgment upon their sin, the people said, Never again. Leaders like Ezra and Nehemiah called the nation to be faithful, to live according to the covenant God made with Israel when Moses led them out of slavery. Many driven by fear set their hearts to obey God and his laws. So priests arose to instruct the people in the ways of God. The Pharisees were these priests. The people knew the law of Moses, but they were unsure how to fulfill it. So they would ask for guidance. For example, one commandment which showed how Israel honored God was to keep the Sabbath day holy. Fair enough. But the question some of the people had was, How do we do that? How do we keep the Sabbath day holy? Well, the rabbis said it meant you don't do any work on the Sabbath. Okay. And someone asked, what exactly do you mean by work? You have to do some things. How much is legitimate? So the rabbis got together and found that in the law, that the Holy of Holies was placed 2,000 cubits away from the nearest home, Presumably, it was legitimate for people to walk 2,000 cubits to worship. 
Therefore they said, on the Sabbath you must not walk more than 2,000 cubits, which is about 1,000 yards. And so that became a Sabbath day journey. That was as far as you could go, about 1,000 yards from your home. Now they found all kinds of ways to get around that. But remember, the purpose of this decision was to answer the people's question, how do we honor God? The answer was to keep the Sabbath. But now they have these things so well defined that you honor God by not walking more than a thousand yards on the Sabbath day. And that's when things got worse. Some people said a thousand yards really isn't much. And we have a lot of things we need to do. Is uh, there anything we can do about this? Well, the rabbi said, what we could do is decide that you don't measure the thousand yards from your front door, but from the edge of your property, and that'll give you a few more yards. And that was helpful. Uh, but still some others said, look, we, we're in a bit of a bind here. Is there anything else you can do? We, we need to go a little further than that and still honor God. So the rabbi said, well, if, if before the Sabbath begins, you walk a thousand yards and place some of your property or some food by the way, eh, you can consider that the end of your property and walk a Sabbath day journey from there. Now to everyone here, this sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But it's called religion. It's amazing how people can start out to honor God and if they earnest, they have a tendency to get more and more meticulous about it until they lose track completely of honoring God and becoming locked into this system of doing things or not doing things. And that's what happened to the Pharisees. That is what happens when generation after generation keeps the ways of their forefathers, the memory of the events that shape them. But their responses to their crises remain. People no longer remember why they do what they do. They just do it. And then you find other reasons for continuing as you always have. So Jesus has a challenge for them. And this is what drew Jesus' criticism. The people had forgotten not only the exile, but also the call of God. Jesus came to remind the people and the leaders and the priests not to be holy, but I shall be your God and you are my people. More important than upright living, Jesus knew was the reason for living. Jesus announced the greatest commandment is this. We talked about this last week. You shall love the Lord your God and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus knew, even more importantly, that the true reason for love is this, God is with us. Jesus came to call people to walk with God, to remind us that God is for us, that God is present here and now. And Jesus is willing to challenge the crazy extremes that leads the Pharisees and others away from God and into religious effort and self-righteousness to point out to them and to us the dangerous behaviors that come when we forget the heart of the matter. We live out of fear rather than love. When our motivation for obedience is to avoid judgment 
rather than receive grace. Jesus looked far deeper than the doing, and that is what he criticized. He saw through the religious habits and warned, you do not practice what you preach. How often we hear that criticism. We say one thing on Sunday, but do another thing on Monday. It means we can talk the talk, but we fail to walk the walk. It means that we pay lip service, but fail to act. We may even defend ourselves and say, well, no one is perfect. We know that no one is perfect. Perfection is not the goal. To put into practice means you practice. It is your habit, your pattern to keep after those things you understand to be important. Jesus calls us to practice our faith. Another thing Jesus saw as corrupting was that as highly religious people, we, we lay on others heavy burdens we ourselves will not lift. You know what he's talking about here. Everyone should pray daily. Everyone should read the scripture. Everyone should tithe. Which gets translated, you should do those things. You should pray daily. You should read the scriptures. You should tithe to the church. But the danger, Jesus says, is that we are unwilling to follow the advice we give to others. We wouldn't do what we require of others. We will not even ask ourselves, but what about me? You should tithe, but what am I giving? You should invite people to church, but could I do that? We demand others to do what we find impossible for ourselves. Jesus also exposed how religion becomes obvious and social. He said the Pharisees of his day made their philosophies broad and their fringe long. We don't do that anymore. What it meant was that the signs of their religious practices were seen publicly. Today, they would be carrying around 20-pound Bibles, really big, and praying really loud in restaurants so other people would know how important it is to return to the way we were raised. Today, it is the protests and cry to return prayer to the schools and insistence on no sports or business on Sunday. But Jesus points out, the danger is, if that is as far as it goes, Jesus saw that there was no substance behind the social image. Jesus warns us that there must be private devotion behind our civil religion. There must be personal faith behind our public confession and individual commitment behind our corporate practices. Jesus then looked at the esteem of religious living. He said the pious love being given the best seats in the house and being honored at feasts and acknowledged in the marketplace. You know what that means. Ladies and gentlemen, it is our distinguished privilege to have with us today... Da, 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 da. We think of this in terms of having a big name like, like, like Billy Graham. But don't we all want our neighbors to say... He's a good Christian. She's a godly woman. That is recognition too. Would, be we, would we be willing to 
to risk our reputation for the sake of Christ? Would be we, we be willing to have heads shake and thunderous applause just for doing God's will? Do you think Mary was called a nice Jewish girl when Joseph's family found out she was pregnant? What gossip flew around the temple when God called a priest named Hosea to marry a harlot and then named their first two children not mine in no regard? Jesus would remind us that true obedience is risky business. Lastly, Jesus exposed the habit of the carefully religious, that they are careful. He warns us not to call others father or rabbi or teacher. Now, you may think these, uh, this means not to take titles, but, but it's not simply that. It is the habit of giving others not just the title, but the authority of being our religious master, our leader, our guru. Rather than struggle with obedience ourselves, we ask, what should I do? And then if or when we are challenged, we say, I only did what pastor so-and-so told me to do. It's the don't blame me, I listen to you syndrome. Jesus knows how easily people especially well-meaning followers, wind up following the person rather than the one they point to. When Jesus looked to the religious people of his day and to their religious leaders, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees, he saw the dangers of religion gone amok. He saw the extreme distortion of the desire to honor God and the end result of the desire to be right and to escape judgment. He saw the growth of self-justification, self-preservation, and self-righteousness. Jesus knew there was only one way to escape the dangers of bad religion, and it was radical. Jesus said the way out of religion was meekness. He knew that true greatness was in service and humility. But Jesus was not talking about slavishness or doing good to others. He was not talking about shame and subservience. Jesus knew the way out of selfishness was health, healthy selflessness. The heart of humility and true servanthood was self-forgetfulness. Humility was not worrying about where you stand but was trusting in someone greater to whom you gave yourself. This is what faith is all about. This is what Jesus calls us to do. We who would truly honor God are called to follow Christ. We are told, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but in humility count others better than yourselves. Having this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. This is humility. This is servanthood. This is life which honors and loves God that has so trusted oneself to God that you lose yourself in God, knowing he will never lose you. 
You cannot forget yourself because God remembers his grace. The way out of false religion is a true relationship with him. Paul himself was a Pharisee, as we know, but he knew this truth. He said that in his religious life, he had been blameless under the law. Yet under it, he never gained what he truly desired. Only when Paul experienced a crisis on the Damascus Road, when he saw the vision of the triumphant Christ, did he realize the love and grace of God that was offered to him. And his goal became not personal righteousness, but the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus the Lord. The challenge we face today is how are we living our life? What are you basing acceptance before God on? Do you rely on religion? Is that what you believe? Is it your personal uprightnessness? Is it that you faithfully come to church or that your family has been members here for generations? Is it that you are known as a good Christian person? Or have you discovered the remarkable grace of God? Have you experienced the world-shattering crisis of the unending love of God that has forever changed your life? Have you been transformed by the presence which calls you away from self-protective care and into selfless love that leads you out of the world of fear and into eternal joy? May we all seek the answer to our heart's desire. Let us pray. Father, we acknowledge that all we know is what you've told us. We can observe things in the world from a physical perspective. But when it comes to knowing you and knowing your truth and knowing your will, we have to turn to Scripture, to your Word. And when we turn there, we find everything we need. Help us to remember that this week. Amen.